Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Tim J.P. Collins. Tim is a speaker, a coach, and the host of the Anxiety Podcast. Tim draws on his own personal experience to provide coaching, education, accountability, and peer support to help people overcome anxiety and to reclaim their lives. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Tim. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm excited to be here. Can you talk to me a little about your background and how you got into the work that you do? Yeah, that is a long story with um, a lot to talk about, but maybe I can start and then you can cut me off if I get boring or something. But um, it's interesting. The more the more I think about sort of the origin of this, um, I've always been somebody who likes helping people at my core sort of foundationally. And uh, I think I get that trait from my mum. She's very much sort of wired the same way. And so I, th- I think I just picked up a lot of that through osmosis um, from her. And and so in my life, I, in my professional life, I've been kind of in sales and sales leadership, coaching and, and training people. And then um, in my sort of mid thirties, I had a bit of a meltdown. And um, that kind of put me on a, a different trajectory and I'll tell you sort of the, the 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 story around that and how that all kicked off but and then we can dig into whatever bits you like in a bit more detail um so one day I had traveled internationally I'd flown from North America to back to England um, which is where I'm from if you can't tell from my funny voice and uh, I went into uh, a company to do a presentation and stood on stage. And unfortunately, I hadn't prepared myself brilliantly. I'd been out drinking heavily the night before. I'd, uh, I was very caffeinated that morning. I had some jet lag. And I had a panic attack on stage um, live in front of this room full of people. And it was the first one I'd ever had. So very inopportune timing and anxiety really doesn't care about timing. So, uh, I thought in that moment that I was dying, um, because I'd never felt anything so intense and so, um, harsh before in my life. And that, that feeling that people say where they just want the ground to open up and swallow them. I was the epitome of that. I just, you know, it's the classic deer in the headlights. I didn't, I didn't know whether to run. I didn't know whether to stay there. And eventually, um, with enough seconds ticking by without any words being able to be produced out of my mouth, I just kind of made my apologies and said, I'm sorry, guys, I got to go. And uh, so this this sort of room of eyes staring at me and uh, I left the room and walked out. It happens. <laughs> yeah, it does. It happens. Reflecting back, on that experience well two questions one how did that affect you going forward and reflecting back what do you think was driving what happened do you think it was like the coffee and lack of sleep or do you think there are other things going on yeah so well just to just to finish out that story because i think it's relevant but um i i walked uh out of that room and into the the restroom and sort of did what what anybody might do, which is sort of splash water on my face and, and and looked at myself in the mirror and wasn't sure what I was looking at, but kind of said, like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is wrong with you? Why, you know, all of that 
cascading waterfall of shame and embarrassment and years of the imposter syndrome and now everybody knows that you're a failure and a fraud and they finally found out like all of that um sort of hard, uh, you know people are extremely hard on themselves in the world anyway and and so that was all piling down but somehow and and something i look back on with some respect is that i, I managed to get enough courage to go back um you know, part of me in reflection now, I, I could have just walked out of that office that day, said I had the flu or said I felt sick and nobody probably would have ever questioned it because that's, it looked, you know, anxiety is one of those things where internally we feel at war and externally it often just looks like nothing, you know? Um, but anyway, I went back in the room and I said, look, I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. That anxiety also in that case made me extremely honest. I just said, I, I don't know what's going on. I didn't make any excuses and uh, I had to sit down and do my presentation because my legs were shaking so much. But something in me, my like upbringing, my my sort of mum and dad through years of saying, just get on with it sort of thing, I, I managed to scrape through that. But that was the beginning of a, a massive meltdown for me where that night I went back to my hotel room and sort of questioned my whole life, questioned whether I should like almost – um, you know, started thinking about suicide, thought about what is the point of going on now that everybody's finally found out, like the noise inside my head from out of nowhere got loud really fast, uh, which isn't uncommon. Like a lot of people go from everything's fine to this is the end pretty quickly, it seems. But um, it made me then start to, over the course of the coming weeks and months, sort of look at what the dysfunction was and um you know i did the normal thing which is go to the doctor the doctor gives you pharmaceutical drugs very very effortlessly that didn't feel like the solution to me um what i've come to realize now after some some years later is that anxiety for most people is a sign that their life is out of alignment um and it's uh it's a message uh, I often use the analogy of a car. So if you're driving a car along and you don't ever put air in the tires or change the tires or rotate them and you don't fix the suspension, eventually, you know, with enough neglect, the steering wheel starts shaking, you know, violently shaking. And I think people are like that as well. And so the, the difference is with humans is that we are super complicated. So the dysfunction could be in your job, in your self-esteem, in your relationship, in your nutrition, in your love life, in your physical being, just all sorts of stuff. But for me, a, a combination of those things had, had culminated together through years of neglect and the fact that I sort of just seemed to get through most things. Um, but that was the reckoning for me. That was the moment where it was like, I can't carry on the same way. And I've been sort of forever changed since then, really. I've had to really wake up and, and make some changes in my life. Yeah, thank you for continuing to, to share the rest of your story. I didn't know if you wanted to stop or, and it's just really powerful. And there's a lot of things in there that I really, really connect with. I mean, I went through a similar experience where I was, well, before I get to that, I think it's a really interesting choice. You said I went back in and the anxiety made me really honest. And for a lot of people, they just suppress it, right? And that just puts them into a deeper or worse place. And I did that for a long time. I would suppress things and compartmentalize them and withdrew them because as a man, I felt like I needed to have it all together. And and uh, 
I didn't want to ask for help. And when I did ask for help uh, from from the world, I felt like I was uh, oftentimes people resented it. And so I think there's a lot of things in your story that I really connected to, and it led to me having a breakdown, and uh, it really fucked me up for a while. And I realized too that it was like my life was out of out of alignment, right? It was I was out of integrity with sort of my values, and there were some underlying things that I was, I mean, I was suppressing and trying to. I thought I was managing them, but the reality is like I was skating on sort of thin ice, and. I had to go back to and like look at my life and it's funny like uh, in western medicine oftentimes that's the first the first solution is give somebody a pill and try to take try to take a pill I know I, I walked around for like I didn't want to go on a, a prescription but they gave me some samples and uh, and I carried one I remember one particular like pill like this relaxation pill around in my pocket for an entire year and then finally I threw it, threw it away after about a year because but I, it was like my emergency like break glass if I have a fucking panic attack type of thing and and what I also discovered is there are tons of other what one I had to deal with these underlying things and I knew what they were and I love how you said there's like humans are complex it could be your job or your nutrition or your love life or relationships it could be social life it could be your physical well-being there's like there's so many different ways this sort of can manifest and are important to in my experience my own emotional well-being and a big part of for me is just is deep deep connection and and with deep connection the support that comes uh, with that with people who really care about you and and care about your well being and I care, and I'm able to, to serve them in the same way but I'm, I'm curious you had mentioned that the pill was the first thing and then you had to you realized that you couldn't carry on the way that you were and so I'm assuming that you found some other tools to deal with some of these things and I'm wondering if you can expand on what those what those things that you discovered were and how they impacted your life. Yeah, and you know, I think a big part of my sort of mission with the Anxiety Podcast and the 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 work that I do is is around educating people because the system is fundamentally broken in that if you wake up in middle America today and have a panic attack and and you have you you haven't looked into any resources then you're going to go to the doctor which is the trusted place to go to and they're going to very quickly and easily give i mean you talk about um samples i think you said my my doctor up in canada is very similar but they just kind of span around in their chair grab some pills out of a little wicker basket on their desk and said take these and come back and see me in a couple of months and that um you know it's the a very simple solution to a complex problem. A lot of people say to me today, like, what's the what's the hack or the trick or the technique to overcome anxiety, the, the tapping technique or the bloody, I don't know. People are always looking for a quick fix, right? They just want it over. And I get it because if you've never struggled with mental health challenges and then you have one, it's like, what the fuck is this? And I want to switch <laughs> hell, it off now. Hell yeah. I, I've right? been there, yeah. I mean, if you break your arm, you can see that it's broken on an x-ray and you can get it fixed. But if you break your mind, nobody knows apart from you. And there is no simple fix. You can't put a bandage on it and in two months it's fixed again. It's just it's, it's exasperating for people because they're so we're so used to living in a privileged world and society where things can get fixed quickly and easily. And, and it isn't a quick fix. And so to go back to your question... I think I just started 
and this is what I, this is the work I do now with other people, but it's kind of becoming an investigator in your own life. And I think curiosity is a, is a great word to use where you look at what are the potential areas, um, where, which may be contributing to this because it's not a simple solution. It wasn't in most cases simple in terms of how you switched it on in the first place. And so it's not going to be simple to switch it off. So it's, it's looking at, for me, the sort of core fundamentals of um, what make up a person. And that is many of the things I talked about. So I think food and nutrition has a massive impact. I've, you know, the more I've dug into different ways of eating and the impact that sugar and insulin has, and, you know, you talk about the sugar rush and, and all those sorts of things and how that affects our equilibrium. Somebody who's high, highly anxious, anything that affects their homeostatic, like way they feel is potentially going to trigger them to have some kind of a panic type response to it. So, you know, there's easy things to start with, which is like, let's fix the sugar problem. Let's take caffeine out. Let's take alcohol out for a while. All of those things, which we, we just know intuitively and, and clearly know are going to have a negative effect on us. Um, I want to say it was something really fast. Actually, that was what triggered my breakdown. I had tried to switch to veganism and I'm, I have no issues with veganism, but my body didn't react very well to it. And that was a catalyst. I mean, there were underlying things, but the catalyst that started was, was a change in diet. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, now like I eat ketogenic and, um, now ketogenic's like, you know, it's the, the fad diet of the moment. Probably paleo was that before it. And, and I don't know what went before that, but I've been on that for sort of three or four years at this point and went to it again through sort of my self research that I was doing where I was like, what is the way I can eat where I have the most stable, consistent feeling all the time? I wasn't doing it for, you know, fat loss necessarily or anything else apart from like, I just want to feel normal all the time without feeling super hungry or highs and lows. I knew that I used to live on monster energy drinks and I knew that that combination of caffeine and sugar, you know, freaked me out in my new mindset, you know? So that's kind of how I got to that one. But yeah, it's kind of going around and, you know, metaphorically lifting up every rock and saying, is this a potential contributor? The job I was in at the time included a, a one hour and 30 minute commute in each direction and sitting in a car in traffic, sometimes like punching a steering wheel saying, fuck this, what a waste of life. And I sat there one day, pulled my iPhone out and worked out on a calculator. If I sat in a car for three hours a day for 20 years of a career, like how much time that was. And it was, it was, you know, blowing my mind what a waste of life that was. So I, I left the job. Um, I realized that the, the city I was living in, I didn't like the the climate and the harshness of it. So I moved from the East coast to the West coast. You know, I, I, I am, um, an action taker by nature. So once I started realizing that these things could make a difference, I started changing them and, uh, and incrementally felt better. And then I was like, all right, so now I've eaten a little bit better and I've left my job. I wonder if exercise is going to help. Let's start a little simple workout and see how that goes. And that evolved into a for a time that evolved into a full on CrossFit addiction, which I, I've backed off of now. But um, I kind of am like that. I go down rabbit holes and, and 
like to learn lots of information and then see what fits for me specifically. Um, but all of those things together has given me this wonderful ability. Now, when I sit down and talk to somebody, um, I am the Sherlock Holmes of anxiety and, and I'm like, right, let's talk about your life. And people don't realize, uh, how big some things are in terms of contributing to the way they feel. People think that they can get, you know, if you're a sensitive person, which most people with anxiety are, we're sensitive, we feel more, we have this extra sensory perception of situations and conversations and stuff, I believe. Um, if you think that you can like bury that shit down and go to a w job every day that you don't like for 20 years and it's not going to affect you, you've, you're fucking wrong. You can't. And, and that comes at a cost. And so, you know, some people are, are willing to make the changes necessary, which are sometimes very disruptive, uh, at least on the surface, disruptive to change. Um, but those are often, you know, the hardest ones are the ones which are going to have the biggest impact. Yeah, I, I totally relate with what you're saying. And I think it's really important. I mean, like this podcast started off as a podcast around dating and it's moved into wellness because... I realized that so many of the issues that popped up, I and mean, we can teach the technical stuff and we do it better than anybody. How do you approach someone? How do you start a conversation? How do you touch somebody when you text somebody? But so many of the problems that I found with our clients go back to to wellness stuff, right? And it's, yeah, you can call it self-love, you can call it taking care of yourself, you can talk, talk about getting your life in order or whatever, but like it's these underlying these underlying issues and resolving them so that and working through them and continuing to work through them and clearing traumas and, and getting a strong foundation. And, and so a lot of the things that you're talking about are just like right in line with the things that I'm thinking about. So I think it's super interesting. You've mentioned a bunch of them, but like, what do you think are sort of the most common rocks that like, or things that you find under these rocks that people miss? Yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, a solid foundation in terms of taking care of yourself. Um, and so I kind of have thought on this in my life and I think a lot of people have, um, like a, f a, a confidence which they didn't actually earn. And that sounds weird, but I think people in, you know, through good parenting, um, cause parents are trying to build us up and, and give us confidence and, and get us out into the world and get us functioning. But I think, and I'll speak about myself, um, specifically, but in my case, I think, you know, I was given that solid base by my parents. It was, you know, my, my, my mom and dad were together. We had a very sort of middle-class standard, um, upbringing, which was all good. And, and so I went out into the world thinking, I'm good at this, you know, everybody likes me and life is good. And I was never really tested until this happened to me. I was never really, you know, my 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 confidence was never really shaken until then. And, and then when it was and it kind of broke down, I realized that the house I've been living in for 30 odd years up until that point was kind of built on sand because I'd, I'd never really had to go in and and fortify it and so that these analogies that i love you know in my life i went back in and said right i'm putting fucking steel in the basement and i'm pouring concrete and i'm going to make this thing like earthquake proof so that if i put the right practices in and take care of myself it's still 
you know, life is still going to get ugly sometimes. It's still going to get windy outside and there might even be a hurricane. But I know that it's not going to be the end of me if that happens again because I've got some some fail safes in place. And so that, you know, I think at the core for most anxiety sufferers, I think um, a couple of things are happening. One is they're just extremely hard on themselves. Um, we often feel that our anxiety is is different and somehow unique and uh, special from the point of view that nobody else could be, nobody else can feel the way I'm feeling right now because it's just so strong. Um, and so sometimes the reassurance of just like, look, other people are fucking suffering as well. It's not just you. There's lots of pain out there. Um, and I'm, I've been um, lucky in a way, I suppose, because I talk about this openly so often that a lot of people approach me and they're like, hey, can I tell you something like this is going on for me? And I'm like, yeah, that, that it doesn't surprise me. So I would say to anybody listening to this, if you look around and think like you're the one feeling bad and everybody else is fine and you look at Instagram and Facebook and think that people are like loving life, well, lots of those beautiful looking people reach out to me all the time and say like I'm I'm at the end of my rope, like I'm I'm struggling so badly whilst on the surface, like the swan on the lake, it looks like everything's fine. Underneath, it's not fine at all. Um, and so that, you know, number one is people are, are super hard on themselves. And the other thing that I think is is very common with anxiety is that people are fighting it. And fighting anxiety, I I always say is like fighting a 20 year old Mike Tyson, like you're just going to get beaten up every time. Um, because it's, it, it, it's fueled by your level of intensity towards it. It's like trying to put a fire out by throwing gas on it. You can't, you can throw like huge amounts of gas on a fire and it's going to make it bigger. And so I think the first thing that I work on with people is to say, look, you're not alone. It's not just you. It's, this is a very common thing. But also you need to like put your weapons down and just accept that you've got it. Acknowledge that you've got it. Stop trying to fight it. And, you know, a lot of the traditional techniques that I've seen out there in the world for overcoming anxiety are avoidance based. So they're like, don't think about it. You know, if it comes up, then go and do something else or go for a walk or watch TV. And I'm like, no, 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 just feel it and say, you know, message received you don't need to keep, it's like an alarm bell ringing and instead of going and switching off, you just like go to a different room and shut the door. Like the alarm bell's still ringing. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think those are those are the couple of things which almost everybody I speak to, they're like super hard on themselves. They're fighting it. They don't want to talk about it. And sometimes like for me, I found that like keeping it shrouded in secrecy because I was so ashamed of it just made it so much more intense. And then when I eventually came out and started talking about it, people were like, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. I feel like that sometimes <laughs> as well. I'm like, you know, yeah. damn it. I, yeah, I, I get that and I can relate to it. A few things came up as you were talking and you, you sort of like crystallized it, but I'm going to share a story anyway. Like, when I was going through a lot of shit, I was just worried that people would find out. And so what happened is like, I'm suppressing things. I'm like compartmentalizing and trying to put, pretend like things are together. So I don't come off as crazy. Cause like what I wanted, one of the things I really need was connection and support. And I'm like, if I tell people what's happening inside me, like, are they going to abandon me? And, uh, or are they going to uh, create more distance when what I wanted was the opposite? And 
that for me was a challenge. And uh, the second thing that came up is I, I had a, a breakup and and right before we broke up, like I kind of felt like something might be coming, like we had dated on and off and, and uh, we got back, we started seeing each other together and, and things, we ended up having sex after, I don't know, three or four dates. And I, the next morning she said, like we had had a pretty deep conversation the night before and and the next morning she said, hey, I'm gonna think about some of the things that you said to me. And I told her, when she said that, I said, you know, I'm, I'm when you tell me that I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, and like I can feel it in my body and I can feel it in my arms and my back. And, and so I didn't used to have the ability to like, to connect with those emotions and articulate them. And her immediate response was, well, don't, don't feel anxiety. And I said, well, no, I'm just, it's okay. It's just, it's just an emotion. <laughs> it's like, it's working through my body. It'll be gone in a minute or two. Um, but I'm sharing this with you because I want to connect with you and I want you to understand what I'm, I'm feeling. And, but her response I found found is like quite quite common for a lot of people. And the next like I saw her later on that afternoon and I said, you know, I want you to know if I tell you that I'm feeling something, I'm just sharing and don't suppress it because like what you were doing what you told me like was causing me to like kind of put a lid on what I was feeling and, and then what happens is as human beings we suppress a lot of things and we hold them in and then it pops up somewhere else and so yeah, just please don't do that. Just let it come out. And um, and then she started to say something and and then she cut herself off. And I said, what is it? And she's like, nothing. And then a few minutes later, she finally said the, the thought and she goes, I just didn't want to take, like I didn't want to feel responsible for, for uh, making you feel anxious. And it was really interesting because I've thought about that um, on and off um, since then because as human beings, it's important to, well, one, it's, it's hard. Like when we're, there are a lot of people when we share things, they're going to be like, yeah, I feel like that, that way too, or I'm going to relate. Or other people, when we share our emotions, they start to close up or they take responsibility for them, or maybe we take responsibility for other people. So I'm sharing that just because like, I want your thoughts and your feelings on this because I, I, I do feel like this can be a little bit of a tricky train to navigate. Does anything come up for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think sharing sometimes can go wrong as well, right? I think, you know, we we live in a world where sometimes you read stuff on on social media and you're like, bloody hell, that's a bit that's a bit too much, right? So I think um, there is oversharing as well, and so in one-on-one -on -one relationships is different because I think that if you if you create a safe enough space and um start to build a relationship with somebody and and there's a there's a difference there's basically for me there's a difference between you know respectfully sharing a bit of yourself versus like dumping a ton of like you know show up and throw up as people say but if it's kind of like oversharing every symptom and feeling and going into extreme detail that's very different to saying like you know i'm i'm feeling something right now like i feel something different and i i sort of need to process that and so i think it, the the intensity and the intent and the way that you articulate the way you're feeling has a lot to do with it but if you're with somebody that you um are in a romantic relationship with then i think it's absolutely an obligation to both of you to speak the truth about what's going on for you because 
if you don't, then A, it's going to be a struggle for you and you'll probably be coming across as being a bit off. But um, vulnerability is what really deepens relationships. And, you know, again, at the right time, in the right circumstances to say, you know, I got, I got to tell you this because I don't know, you know, quite how to process it at the moment, but I'm feeling, you know, this particular way. And, and, you know, I want you to know, cause I care about you and, you know, I want to, I want to sort of put it out there and they may turn around and say, well, sometimes I feel like that as well, or, you know, this is going on for me, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think, you know, I think, I think we're making ground as far as mental health goes. I don't think people see somebody being anxious or depressed as weakness anymore. I think, you know, the, the, one of the biggest things I've learned out of all of this is that if you're working on yourself in a, in a personal development type way, um, all of these things seem to be very, um, not seasonal, but very time sensitive based. And so for me, even if I'm kind of going through a hard time and anxiety, it kind of puts his head up for a bit. I know now I have enough history now that I'm like, this is going to go away again as it just as weirdly as it showed up. And, um, and so having that knowledge after kind of going through it a few times is reassuring because you're like, well, this is a time sensitive thing. And I know if I tick the boxes of taking care of myself, then it's not going to persist forever. Now for somebody who doesn't have that awareness yet and they go on down a couple of glasses of vodka because they're feeling a bit anxious and they, and they still want to go out tonight, then they're going to perpetuate those. They're going to perpetuate those symptoms on an ongoing basis. Right. Um, but yeah, coming back to your question, I think, I think respectfully sharing is, is the right approach because I think the alternative, which is trying to bury it, um, is, is much more difficult a path to navigate. And I don't think in the end it serves anybody. Um, now again, there's times and places, right? If you're going out on a first date and you feel anxious, then good, you know, like, so be it. And that's something you're going to have to work through. I think, Anxiety to some extent, if it's in a first date scenario or you're just about to stand up on stage and speak, anxiety is a natural emotion which makes us show up on time and prepare accordingly and put on a clean shirt and read our lines. You know, it makes us do the necessary things to to be there in the moment. Uh, without it, for, for some people, they, you know, they wouldn't take it seriously and they'd be a bit lackadaisical. So I think it serves a purpose. Um, and you don't need to show up on, you know, on that first encounter and be like, Oh, you know, feeling really anxious and like, of course, but if it's something when you're a bit further down the line, that's bothering you, then I think it's, it's something to respectfully talk about. It's a, it's an emotion that you're working through and processing. And, you know, um, as I said, I don't think people view it as much these days as, a weakness. I think it's w much more widely talked about. Um, and people realize it's not something which is a, a forever thing. It's definitely, you know, trans it transitions through people depending on where they're at in their lives. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, Listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. 
This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. A few things came up. One is you talked about being respectfully sharing. And and one of the things that I think is part of this process is figuring out what is respectful. I'm curious. Well, first off, can you describe what respectful sharing looks and feels like? Yeah, I think it's... um respecting yourself and respecting the other person in terms of the process. So I think it's, you know, instead of downloading every thought in your head to somebody, I think respectful sharing is just, you know, opening up the conversation um, and testing the waters. And I don't think this is manipulating or, or otherwise, but you could say to somebody, you could say to somebody, oh, I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm feeling really, I'm feeling really a little bit anxious today. It's weird, right? Now that is an entry into a conversation to see how receptive the other person might be. They might turn around and be like, well, people who are anxious are just weak, right? (laughs) Um, Or they might say, sometimes I feel like that myself. What do you mean? Like what, tell me more about it, right? So it's it's opening the door to, to a shared vulnerability on their side so you can deepen that conversation. That's different to somebody saying, oh my God, I'm having a fucking panic attack right now and uh, I don't know what to do. This is freaking me out. You know, I think there's there's levels of, of getting into a conversation where you can, you know, you can just share a bit of it without showing your whole, showing all your cards at the same time. And that allows it to, you know, a lot of times people say things in, in a moment and then regret it. And then after the fact, say, oh, I wish I hadn't been as, transparent because now I'm a bit embarrassed or maybe I said too much in the heat of the moment. So for, yeah, for me being respectful about it is just inviting somebody to join you in a conversation and by, by starting. And I think whether it's about anxiety or anything else, I think relationships, when relationships do deepen, it's based on vulnerability and somebody has to go first, right? The other person may or may not reciprocate often they do but somebody has to go first it's kind of like uh i mean you know more about this than i do but in a romantic relationship somebody usually says or somebody ultimately has to say i love you first right and that that's a vulnerable moment because it may or may not be reciprocated and you can expand into all other parts of a relationship maybe you're sharing an insecurity or something that you feel ashamed about or um or something that you're embarrassed about and and but you feel like you need to to express to this person that in order to build that deeper connection. And oftentimes it's not something that you would do on a first date, but I mean, I I know women who have been sexually assaulted and um, maybe they've been raped and they feel like they need to tell their partner before 
before they get married and and these things like they make us feel vulnerable and there's a right time and a right place i mean use the example earlier about about the guy goes off vulnerabilities for people are weak or something like that you're going to run into that and that was one of the, the next questions i had for you which was like what do you do when you come across people who are emotionally closed down because as i'm assuming we both know um like they definitely exist right there's a lot of people who when you start talking about emotions they shut down because for different reasons um sometimes it's because they want to avoid their own and it starts bringing stuff up for them and they want to shut it back down because they don't know where it might lead but when you come across somebody who is closed down and you start testing the waters or use the example and that was a, i think that was a great model for uh, what it looks like to begin the conversation but when you first start experiencing intense emotions or somebody's experiencing extreme anxiety the first time they might communicate it might be a little sloppy or they might not have that finesse because they don't really know and, and people react negatively and that could create a new trauma so does this bring up anything for you yeah for sure listen i know because i've been there that it's a it's a sensitive topic to navigate and um you you know your original question about how do you deal with people that are emotionally shut down like i don't i don't go out into the world and try and necessarily uh, approach other people people come to me because they pay me to talk to them in a coaching capacity so then you know they're they're stepping into a conversation um where they where they really want to share and they need to get it out or people listen to the podcast um and therefore then they're trying to to gain information so it, it ends up that a lot of the people who are probably the most difficult i just don't come across anyway because they're not looking for help yet they're not they haven't arrived at that point um but sometimes I speak to people and they're like, how do I speak to my significant other about it? How do I speak to my partner about it? They don't understand. They don't know how I feel. They tell me to just get over it or just move on. They don't understand how I can't get in the car to drive to work or get on an airplane to go on holiday or whatever the, the thing is that's the sort of holding them back. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think there's no, there's no perfect way to say a lot of things, but you know, the message that I try and get out to the world is ultimately that, you know, if you look at statistics from an anxiety point of view, one in three or one in four people suffer with it at some point. Um, so it's extremely common. Um, it's very, you know, it's, if you, if you chat to a, a few people, um, and again, because of my, you know, I, I host the anxiety podcast. So a lot of people in my life and I post about it on social media, a lot of people approach me and people who I thought were like the most buttoned up, no problems at all. Everything's fine. Are you know, often the people you look at and they, you think everything's fine are the people that have the most going on behind the scenes. And, um, so yeah, I, I, if you, in terms of a sharing thing, you know, if there's somebody in your life who's identified themselves as having their own struggles in the past, then maybe you start off sharing with them. That's a safer place to go and say, Hey, I'm going through this stuff at the moment and I just wanted to talk to somebody about it. Um, and that's, you know, for the most part, a lot of people end up talking to me because often speaking to their, when we sometimes, you know, and this is a good thing to understand about families. Sometimes when you speak to your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, mum, dad, brother, sister, 
those people want the best for you, but they're also too attached to the outcome. Um, they are, they have an agenda of how they want you to be in the world or whether they want you to go to work or not, or whether they want you to show up in a, in a certain particular way. So I, I would say sometimes if you're getting particular advice from a family member and it's not resonating with you, step outside of that tight inner circle and go and ask somebody else who isn't, you know, um, emotionally attached to the way that you are in the world, because sometimes that, and, and people can't help it and it's not necessarily malicious, but there's a, there's a, a charge around how people want you to, you know, act and be part of that family unit. And so if you go and speak to somebody who's not attached to that at all, they might give you completely different feedback or insights that you hadn't even considered before. I think it's sage advice. Um, the other, the other thing that I've discovered is connecting with people who've gone through similar things or finding people like yourself or coaches, uh, or a therapist or somebody to talk to about these things. There's also a lot of groups that like this type of, um, deeper emotional explorations encouraged. And, um, for me, I go to a couple of different men's groups. I find those incredibly useful as tools for, for my life. Uh, I go to these dinners where they hold them every couple of weeks in New York City and people sit down and one person speaks at a time. They go into deeper subjects and people open up about some really deep, deep stuff. And, and uh, where I'm going with this is like if a person is listening to this and they're feeling like they're looking for these spaces, because I, I really like um, what you said about family and your insights around that and how um, they might react. Um, but there are other environments where um, you can work through some of this stuff and you got to look around uh, another one that keeps that's come up that i haven't explored yet is circling that's come up a few times but i haven't i haven't done that but just like yeah different events formats organizations that are really designed for people to open up and connect deeply and allow us to connect deeply about these things so i thought i wanted to share that do you have you had any experience with like the type of groups i'm describing or yeah, I mean, for sure. I think um, some of the most profound changes I've had in my life have been through going to um, sit with with different people who have, um, you know, like I was talking about, no attachment to the outcome, no no vested interest in in who I am, but we're just willing to listen and share and and kind of share parts of their own story, and you know. When I first started thinking about this, I go back to my previous mindset. I would have thought it was a bit hokey and a bit woo-woo and a bit like I'm not going to this like, you know, I'm sitting around in a circle talking about our feelings and crying. But um, we need us, but we need space in the world for that. And um, you know, I've uh, last year I ran a retreat. Next year I'm running a, another retreat for for people in my community. And the idea of those types of things is is, is coming together with other people who are also trying to change their lives, but, are, but are stuck a little bit. And, um, yeah, I, I remember vividly, like one of the most profound changes for me is when I, I think, I think the other part of it has to do with like believing that you're worth investing some time and effort into by going to these things. But I went to, a a retreat, um, in Western Canada on a little Island somewhere. And, 
just allow myself to have a few days to work on me and disconnect from the world and get away from everything and just think about what do I actually want? Who do I actually want to be? And what is going on behind the scenes here in, you know, surrounded by a group of people who were willing to listen to me and support me and not, not cut me off or try and offer me solutions too quickly. Um, yeah, I left there and that was the beginning of everything for me. That was the beginning of it's time to, to make a change. And almost the biggest thing that came out of that was, um, I think I'm, I think I was constantly looking for permission to do something different, permission to leave my job or live somewhere else or do something else. And being with those types of types of groups where people are, you know, open to the possibilities and open to doing something different, you know, they said like, why wouldn't you do it? You almost have to. Um, and that got me into the anxiety space in the first place. Cause I sat with that first group after going, well, after going through some stuff myself for a couple of years. And I said, like, I want to help other people with anxiety, but I feel like I should go back to university and become a psychologist or a counselor or a doctor or something. And, and, uh, and they all, you know, the group of 10 people I was with were like, bullshit, you should just start talking about it. You need to share your experience. It's not about you. It's about getting it out there in the world. And, uh, you know, now I'm sort of blessed in that I get um, emails and messages from people every week saying you've saying to me that I've changed their lives or I've saved them or I've done something through the work that I put out into the world. And if I'd taken my original route, I would still be halfway through medical school. So um, I'm kind of glad that I just went for it. With the accolades aside and like the validation that comes with doing the type of work that you're doing, how has this changed you? How has this journey or healing journey or how has it changed you over the last, since uh, you had that moment of a meltdown? Yeah, so that was probably about six years ago at this point. Um, it's changed me in a big way because I just have like a, a massive gratitude for, for, for what I'm able to do. And I think, um, you know, when I first started doing it I was like right I'm gonna make this you know a full-time thing and I was thinking about you know monetizing components of it and obviously there's still you know today there's still bills to pay and I still do things for profit um in terms of selling stuff but I think the biggest payback is definitely for me at a kind of soul level where you know I've literally had messages from people saying I was gonna kill myself and I and I found your work and I'm and I'm feeling better and I didn't. Um, and so that I think is, you know, if, if I ever thought of anything close to a legacy, I think I'm, you know, it's nice to put work out there, which is really making that much of a, a fundamental difference. And so, yeah, it helps me in lots of ways when I'm having a hard time in my life, when I don't feel like doing it anymore, I always think, well, but there's a, uh, there's other people who need this. Um, and they need help kind of more than, more than I need to not bother doing it at the moment. So yeah, I think it's just deep gratitude. Um, I'm extremely grateful for the life I have and, you know, people don't think about how lucky they are when their mental health is good in the same way that they feel, you know, if you, the other side of that chasm when they feel uh, anxious or depressed people think it's the end and they feel desperate and horrible but we don't celebrate very much thinking like 
my mind is clear today. I feel fucking good. I'm positive. I like my life. And so I think now sometimes my kids think I'm a bit weird because sometimes I'll just be like walking down the road or driving the car. And I'm like, this is fucking brilliant. Like this, this is it. This is so good. Like life is good. And they're like, we haven't done anything, dad. We're just driving to the supermarket. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But like, this is, this is what it's all about. Like this is, you know, to have this clear thought or feel positive or enjoy life or be connected. Those are all the things which are so invaluable. So I think to answer your question, it's like perspective is fantastic. Once you've seen the dark side to feel good is like very valuable and should be treasured. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. The, the other thing I, I love what you're doing is you're talking about a range of emotions. And I've discovered both at periods of my life with myself or with other people, oftentimes I'll go through periods of transformation or, or personal growth or self-development and they won't explore the wider range of emotions. They'll just try to pretend or project that things are happy all the time and never want to deal with things are off and one of the things I appreciate is you are talking about a white, like this wider range of emotions. And I think you're right. Like there are these moments where just life is good <laughs> and being able to see that and appreciate that is so important. It makes me think of like uh, the example you said, where we saw, we don't celebrate health when we're feeling great. Um, it's not till we lose it that we sort of recognize it's like a fish being in water, right? It doesn't realize it's in water. We don't realize that we are healthy. And then the fish gets taken out of water. We, in a position where we're not feeling great and and then we become hyper aware and um but i think yeah i really love what you're saying about sort of celebrating these moments when life is good and becoming aware of them and it's probably through your experiences that you've become more aware of when things are <laughs> when things are great um, yeah and I, I think the same is holds true for me i have a couple more questions i know we're getting kind of closer towards the end of our time one is Early in the podcast, you talked about some of the practices that you use to get yourself healthy again to, to heal. What what are some of the practices that you used on your journey and what are some of the practices that you use today, if they're the same or different? Yeah, so um, I do I do have like an ongoing um, interest slash obsession with uh, health. You know, I think... I think physical health and mental health are very closely aligned. I think it's it's hard to have, you know, I think it's, it's somewhat possible to have decent physical health without good mental health um, because sometimes people get a bit obsessive with, with working out and, and that's not always healthy. But um, I think the opposite is almost impossible. I think it's really, really hard to have good mental health if your physical health is suffering. And so... I do. I, I really enjoy exercise. I make sure, you know, like I said, I, I did get into CrossFit for a while. For me, that almost became too much. Uh, at some point, it became too stressful. Um, but I do, you know, I like lifting heavy weights. I like, uh, you know, getting a sweat on. I play hockey, so I enjoy, you know, recreational sport. Um, I'm a f fanatical about food. You know, like I said, I'm I'm on the ketogenic train and have been for a number of years but i'm i'm just super interested in researching ways that we can make ourselves feel better through consuming good stuff um i'm not an angel i still drink alcohol sometimes and regret it um but um if i want to really take care of myself and you know f for instance now if i 
have to do a presentation tomorrow or I'm going to a, a work event tomorrow, I'm doing, I won't drink the night before, right? Um, if I know it's Friday and some friends around and I want to have a glass of whiskey or, or, or something, then, then that's the time to do it for me. So I still have, you know, a, a good range of experiences, but on the whole, I'm picking how I want to feel over anything else, more importantly. So I think that's one thing. Another thing for me is, is really intentionally picking the people I surround myself with. So, um, as part of my kind of rebuild, I went out and said like, who are the people in the world that I, that I aspire to be more like? And I think of the Jim Rohn, you are the five people you surround yourself with. And, and actually one of uh, a couple of the people through one of the retreats I went to who were also turns out people who are looking to improve their physical or mental health, you know, have a expansive view on life. One of those guys lives in Cabo in Mexico. He's my best friend and we kind of really got to know each other well through this process. And we, we speak on the phone every week. We sit down and really delve into our lives and go deep into conversations we wouldn't talk to anybody else about. So I think, you know, people always talk about, people always say to me, oh, you're so lucky you got good friends. And I'm like, no, 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 I chose my friends. I, I hand fucking selected them based on, and, and that, sound, that sounds a little bit too much, but like I picked them out. Yeah, I picked them out based on like, this is who I want to be like. They bring out the best in me. They make me a better person. And therefore, I am and I also have a huge amount to give as well. So it's a, a mutually beneficial relationship. But don't just be friends with people because they fucking live next door or because it's convenient or because it's easy because that's not going to lift you up and make you better. So now like each time I get on the phone with my with my good friend, it's like, what have you done this week? And he tells me some crazy podcast he was listening to and he's trying out a new technique of cold showers or something. I'm like, fuck, I got to try that as well. And so we're just constantly like pushing each other and having fun and improving. Right. Um, and so I think those are a couple of the key things for me. And I think the other thing is just, you know, being honest with myself about where I'm at. So I talked earlier on about not having real, not having homegrown, organically cultivated confidence, something that I was handed. And I think I've now made a point of developing that. So if somebody does pay me a compliment or I do something good in my life, I will sit and sort of reflect on that and soak it up a little bit and allow myself to own a piece of it and say like, I created that. Um, because ultimately I think that's what gives us strength in times where life is tough and we really need it. Our, our ability to endure, our ability to be sort of persistent and resilient resilience is so key and that's why you know all of the weird shit that people look at me and say like why do you take cold showers or why do you do fasting or why do you do these weird exercise things because i'm trying to put myself when i'm in a good mental state i try and put myself in in uncomfortable situations fairly regularly um because sometimes uncomfortable situations come along and we need to be able to realize that we're not going to die. It's not the end and we can, we can endure. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I mean, there's so many things that you say that I love and, and I love your point about confidence. Um, I had had a guy on the podcast a while back and he talked about, I'm probably going to bastardize this, but he talked about developing confidence and 
like basically essentially through competency and and the level before that is discipline right like you pick something you do it over and over and over and over you need to build capacity in it and that's going to develop into uh, you'll develop into a leader as a consequence of that And, and confidence comes along with that in certain ways right like um, you develop a craft and you get really good at it. Like that's going to, it's something you'll feel more confident about in time. And I can really relate to you, like developing confidence as a, a young man, because I had a, a little bit more stable upbringing than a lot of people. And then it was stable until it wasn't, but like having a, a stable upbringing and, and then walking out in the world where I had good body language and could make eye contact and like felt comfortable to speak up. And but I didn't really have the foundations. And uh, a lot of the things that you're talking about, whether it's health or nutrition or your connection with your friend, like these things are, like these are the foundations. So thank you so much for sharing. And any other last sort of tips, suggestions, ideas, words of wisdom for the listeners? I have lots of words of wisdom. Like I've done 300 and something episodes of, uh, (laughs) I love talking. But yeah, I would say if people want to find out more, then go and check out the anxiety podcast and, um, get stuck into that. And I, yeah, everything I've been through and thought about, I share on there and, uh, it's kind of an ongoing, it's an ongoing tale of my life. Right. So it's, it's fun to do that. Awesome. Tim, thank you so much for sharing with us and for the work that you do. It's been a pleasure. And if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Tim and all the work that he does, we're going to post some links on the craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast. So you can find out about him and his work and his podcast more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. It's dating coach Chris Lona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.